What is up guys? It is Quinn here back with another video. We have every single game but one wrapped up for the first week of the NFL season. So now it's time for me to run through my top waiver wire targets. So if you guys are new to my channel or maybe you know haven't been around for the in-season content, the way I go through my waiver wire video, I go through every position. So running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, and then defenses. And then typically I'll go through around five players at each position. Sometimes it'll be a little bit more. Sometimes it'll be a little bit less. Basically just trying to point out some quality options for you guys. I've also lowered the uh, kind of threshold from 50% ownership to 40%. So last season I would do players who were available in 50% or more leagues. I've bumped that down to uh, 40% just because I think like using ESPN, some leagues are dead. So certain players, like if you're in a semi-competitive league, when I was going like guys who were owned in like 45%, I just felt like a lot of these players, you know, were actually going to be owned in your leagues and it wasn't going to be super valuable. So we're going to be rolling with players who have 40% ownership or lower for this video. If you guys do enjoy the content, do me a huge favor, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Really helps me out a ton and I would really appreciate it. Enough of me blabbing on though. Let's get into the running back position. And like I said, I normally do five players at each position. I believe I have 10 running backs in this video. It was a weird week where like handcuffs were really performing. We did have some injuries to some starters. So I just think there's a lot of guys to look at here. A lot of quality pickup options in week one. You know, typically you have one, two kind of top options off the waiver wire. I feel like there are a lot of very acceptable pickups here at the running back position. And then I don't think I mentioned it, but these players aren't in any specific order. I'll kind of point out some priority ones if I think they are out here, but typically like you're going to want to make decisions that are best for your teams. All these players are going to bring something different. So with that in mind, the first player on here is going to be Jamal Williams. He is owned in 35.9% of leagues. He had a solid outing on Sunday, 16 points, 11 carries for 28 yards and two touchdowns. He also added two targets for one reception and two yards. So the efficiency wasn't there. 11 carries is solid. Obviously only turning that into 28 yards is not great. But what we did see from Jamal Williams is he was getting the goal line work and is still just going to be a solid DeAndre Swift handcuff. So he's going to be a guy where you probably don't love starting him in your lineup just because like, can you ever really trust the Lions to go out, have a high scoring game? Obviously they did it today, but I don't think it's something you can count on. And so if you have like a goal line back on a not so great offense or a not very reliable offense, that's probably not someone who's going to be cracking into your lineup. But it's nice when you have someone who can give you some standalone value, but also just becomes a startable running back if DeAndre Swift goes down. So he kind of has that dual threat ability as a you know fantasy backup. You're going to see that with some of the other players I'm talking about here. But we're going to move it over to Khalil Herbert, who I think is also kind of in that range. He is owned in 25.2% of leagues. He had a decent outing today, 11.3 points. I think kind of benefited from the just kind of brutal conditions in that Bears 49ers game, but he totaled nine carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. We just saw him be consistently more efficient than David Montgomery. Montgomery had 17 carries for 26 yards. We know the Bears have wanted to get Khalil Herbert involved. This is obviously a different coaching staff, different regime here. I don't think they have the same loyalty to Montgomery. I don't think Montgomery is going to be this guy getting 70% of the opportunities out of the running back room. 
So I think Khalil Herbert is going to continue to eat into Montgomery's opportunities. And then just like Jamal Williams, Herbert has that handcuff value where if Montgomery goes down, Khalil Herbert is going to be the clear-cut number one running back for the Bears. Then we've got Kenneth Gainwell here, owned in 29.1% of leagues. He scored 11.2 points against the Lions, five carries for 20 yards and a touchdown, four targets, two receptions, and 12 yards. To be totally honest, this Eagles backfield is probably going to be pretty gross. I mean, the goal line work today was wild. I think you had Gainwell, Hurts, Boston Scott, and Miles Sanders all score touchdowns. Obviously, that's not ideal for fantasy because you want one of those guys kind of, you know, taking over all the opportunities, at least amongst the running backs. So Sanders, Gainwell, and Boston Scott. But I do think Gainwell has established himself as the number two. He had the most targets out of the running backs there with four. He's obviously getting some work on the ground. So kind of in that like Jamal Williams mold where he's going to have somewhat of a role on a week-to-week basis, but his value is really going to come in here if something ever did happen to Miles Sanders, where then I think Gainwell would step up and be the number one for that Eagles offense, which is honestly looking pretty solid, you know, with their start to the season here. Then next up, we have Rashad White, who is owned in 14.8% of leagues. In my opinion, it is crazy that Rashad White is owned in under 15% of leagues. He needs to be on rosters. I think he is one of the most valuable handcuffs out there. I think that was probably shown tonight. Leonard Fournette went out there on Sunday Night Football and just had a massive workload. If that's something they're going to consistently be giving to him, like that's not a type of workload where a running back is going to make it through a full 17-game season. If Fournette goes down, Rashad White is going to step in. He's going to be that guy. He's a very solid pass catcher. I mean, we even saw at the end of the Sunday night game, like Leonard Fournette was kind of limping off the field. At this point when I'm recording this, like I have no idea if that's a real injury. Maybe he's just a little bit banged up. But when you have a running back on waivers where he's one injury away from being an RB2 in your lineup, that's a guy who really, really needs to be owned. Because if you're waiting until Fournette gets injured, then you're competing with, what, 11 other teams on the waiver wire. He's a guy we got to go after right now. And he's probably not someone who, you know, people are going to be rushing to pick up unless Leonard Fournette is actually injured. Potentially one of the top waiver wire pickups this week would be Jalen Warren, who is only owned in 1.4% of leagues. He's the backup for the Steelers. We just don't know really right now what's up with Najee Harris's foot, injury, ankle, whatever it is, potential high ankle sprain. We don't really know. Apparently it's not overly serious. I think he was leaving the... uh, stadium and some sort of like walking boot cast thing I don't know a lot of uncertainty right now but you know I do think there's a decent chance Najee Harris is missing week two Jalen Warren is lined up to be the starter he was the only other running back with a carry in that game you know Najee left they were giving Warren the workload there's always going to be some uncertainty if you're trying to start or rely upon a handcuff where like you haven't really seen them in action What I mean by that is like for the Vikings, you know that if Dalvin Cook goes down, you know Alexander Madison is going to have a solid role. But with Najee Harris, we haven't really seen him go down. We haven't seen Jalen Warren be that handcuff. So do they just give him the Najee workload or is this a split? It's really just something we're going to have to monitor throughout the week. But right now, Jalen Warren is definitely someone who I'd be going after for fantasy. Another guy that I'd be going after for fantasy would be Jeff Wilson, kind of in a similar situation here, owned in 3.5% of leagues. We saw Elijah Mitchell leave with a knee injury. Like I said, as I'm recording this, do not know, you know the severity of that injury. I do not know if he's going to be out for the whole season or if he's going to be out for a game or if he's just going to you know, miss a few practices. But if he is out for whatever period of time, 
Jeff Wilson is going to step in, and he is going to fill in as the starter. We saw him do it when Mitchell left, had nine carries, two targets in that game. The 49ers, you know, backfield right now is pretty messy because I don't think Jeff Wilson is like an auto start with Elijah Mitchell out because you're going to have Debo and Trey Lance vulturing carries, vulturing touchdowns, but he is definitely still someone who should be owned if he is the starter in that backfield. Then we move over to the handcuff, Mark Ingram, owned in 19.1% of leagues, similar to like Rashad White uh, with Leonard Fournette. Mark Ingram is just a straight-up handcuff for Alvin Kamara. We know Kamara typically has a big workload. Didn't exactly happen uh, you know, this weekend, but we can count on him to have a big workload. If Kamara goes down, Mark Ingram is going to step in, and he's going to be someone you want to own for fantasy. This one's probably going to hurt a lot of people's feelings here, but we have Rex Burkhead, owned in 17.4% of leagues. Everyone was all in on this Damian Pierce hype train. He's going to be the clear-cut number one. That's just not how it played out this weekend for the Texans. Rex Burke had 12 points, 14 carries, 8 targets, overall a solid workload. The 8 targets to me was not the surprising part. I thought Rex Burkhead would be the receiving back here. It was the fact that he outcarried Damian Pierce. Now, I don't think this is some sort of death sentence for Damian Pierce. I bet by the end of the season, Pierce is averaging more carries per game than Rex Burkhead. But week 1, I mean, if you're getting 22 opportunities... You got to at least take a look at Rex Burkhead on the waiver wire. Like I said, 14 carries, 8 targets. Damian Pierce, only 11 carries, 1 target. So with that receiving role and leading the team in carries, just someone to keep your eye on here. Then I've got Brian Robinson up next, owned in 38.9% of leagues. Right now, the reports coming out say that he has a realistic chance of returning in week five. I believe if you pick up B-Rob, you can just take him and toss him on your uh, IR spot because I think he's on the pup list which is why he would be returning there in week five. Obviously, he's coming back from the the gunshot wounds. Very, very serious injury, but it's encouraging that they seem optimistic that he will be ready, you know, as soon as he can get back on the field. Remember, Brian Robinson was the starter of this team. Brian Robinson had overtaken Antonio Gibson as the number one back. I know Antonio Gibson went out, had a solid performance today. I'm going to be talking about him in one of my trade videos that is also coming out today, but I think Brian Robinson can come back. He may have a role in this offense right away. Maybe he has to work into it. You know, maybe there are some setbacks. But if you can stash him on your IR spot, it seems like a waste to just have him sitting out there on waivers, especially when he could have a role in this offense. And then the final running back, man, these running backs have been dragging on. Zach Moss owned in 0.9% of leagues, basically unowned uh, everywhere. Had a decent workload, six carries, six targets. This is just a spot where the Buffalo Bills have a lot of uncertainty in that running back room. Singletary was, I guess, the guy. You know, he outcarried Moss, but targets weren't even close. James Cook fumbled on his first touch, didn't really make the most of his opportunities. I don't think this Bills backfield is one that's going to be super valuable, but say like a Devin Singletary goes down, then I think Zach Moss steps up just because I think he had a bigger role than a lot of people were anticipating. I think many people were expecting just a James Cook Devin Singletary, like one-two punch. Zach Moss is very much involved in this offense, so he's not someone I'd be starting. But if you're in a deeper league, I think you could do worse than Zach Moss on your bench. Now we're done with the running backs. Moving on to the wide receivers. Only five guys here at the wideouts. Honestly, I don't think there are like some insane pickups at the wide receiver position. It seems like people have kind of caught on and they're, you know, drafting smarter. Like last season, I feel like you could, you know, be looking for some rookies that were outperforming. A lot of those guys are already snagged. 
So starting off with the wide receivers, we've got Curtis Samuel owned in 8.5% of leagues. Just came out of nowhere really with this performance, 19.2 PPR points, 11 targets, eight receptions, 55 yards and a touchdown. Also added four rush attempts for 17 yards. People forget, you know, Samuel had that injury riddle 2021, basically did nothing. But before that, he had the best year of his career. In 2020, he averaged 14.1 points per game. He's got a new quarterback with Carson Wentz coming in. So, you know, maybe this is just a spot where Curtis Samuel is healthy. He's back to the player he was in 2020. And maybe he's just going to be, you know, a consistent option in this offense. You know, we saw Jahan Dotson ball out also. Obviously, Terry McLaurin is going to get his. So in Washington, they're kind of building a sneaky little wide receiver core there. It'll be interesting to see if Curtis Samuel can keep this up. But, you know, when you have a breakout performance and you've had a decent finish for fantasy in years past, I definitely think it's something where people have to notice it. Then we've got Robbie Anderson, owned in 37.8% of leagues. To be totally honest, Robbie Anderson was someone who I kind of thought was done, thought he was kind of going to fade away, really didn't target him at all for fantasy or even like in best ball drafts. He comes out, eight targets, five receptions, 102 yards, and a touchdown. I just think he's interesting because when you bring a new quarterback into the mix, it really can change things. Obviously, Robbie Anderson didn't really click with the quarterbacks the Panthers had last year. Baker Mayfield comes in. You know, maybe this is the time where Robbie Anderson is going to come back and, you know, be decently involved. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be better than DJ Moore. I know Moore had a down game. I still think Moore is going to be the guy, but maybe Robbie Anderson is more involved. Obviously, Baker is a massive upgrade over Sam Darnold from last year. So another guy to keep your eye on. Then we've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is owned in only 1.7% of leagues. Another guy where it's like, wasn't really on my radar besides like in late in best ball drafts. He comes out, leads the team in targets by far, 11 targets. The second highest on the team was six, which was Amari Cooper, and he did nothing with those. He catches uh, six of those 11 targets for 60 yards. So he didn't have a massive game, but kind of similar to the uh, Robbie Anderson thing. When you bring in a new quarterback, Jacoby Brissett is there. You kind of just got to figure out what guys, uh, you know, he's going to be going to. Obviously, Donovan Peoples-Jones was someone he enjoyed targeting, 11 total targets. So I'm not, you know, going to be going out of my way to bring Donovan Peoples-Jones onto my team. I'd much prefer to be going after those running backs, at least a lot of those running backs, but just someone to kind of keep an eye on to see how this situation progresses here with the Browns. Then we've got Devin Duvernay, owned in 2.3% of leagues, four targets, four receptions, 54 yards, and two touchdowns. It looks like he's established himself as a clear top two wide receiver for the Ravens. It's Rashad Bateman and it's Devin Duvernay. It'll be interesting to see if he can build on this. Personally, I'm not expecting this to be, you know, like a consistent thing. I feel like he may have one or two of these, you know, similar style games, but I can't really see me ever trusting him in my lineup. So maybe he's not a guy I'm going out, you know, super excited to bring out to my roster, but kind of similar to uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, just someone to keep an eye on here. Then the last two wide receivers going to be sharing the same team, Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson, owned in 24.9% of leagues and 18.2. The Packers did not look good. The offense did not look good. The receivers did not look good. Rodgers looked pissed the entire game. You know, a lot of miscommunication between all these guys. I understand that. I think eventually this Packers team is going to get it together. And it's just going to come down to what guys can figure it out and gel with Aaron Rodgers. They were throwing all sorts of, you know, different combinations of wideouts out there. 
basically Cobb, uh, Watkins, Dubs, Watson, all these guys got opportunities to kind of showcase their skills. I think when you're looking at these two, Romeo Dubs made the most of his opportunities. Five targets, four receptions, 37 yards, and 11 rushing yards. Christian Watson had the four targets, two receptions, 34 yards, and then seven rushing yards. But his two, uh, the two targets that he did not convert to receptions, one of those was that drop touchdown. Beautiful pass. I mean, he got open, so he did something right. Straight into the breadbasket, drops it. Would have been a massive touchdown early on in the game. And then I believe the other non-reception was, it was like a like a quick hitter and he didn't get his head around in time. Rodgers almost threw a pick on it. He was pretty pissed off with that. So with these two players here, it just comes down to me thinking that one of them is going to have an impact at some point in the season. At some point, one of these guys is going to figure it out. So kind of just pick your poison on what player you want to be rolling with for the future. Now we get into the quarterback position. I think realistically, we probably have two solid options as like streamers, and then we're kind of getting into more desperate options or deeper league plays. So the first guy is going to be Jameis Winston. I've been very high on him all offseason. He's owned in 36.4% of leagues. He goes out, puts up 21.7 points, 22 for 34, 269 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. He has the weapons around him. Michael Thomas is back, two touchdown day. Jarvis Landry there, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara didn't even do much, but obviously he's going to be a stud. So I think this is just a great situation for Jameis. And as someone who can finish as a top 12 quarterback, I really do believe that. The next guy is going to be Marcus Mariota, owned in only 3.9% of leagues. Really liked what I saw out of Mariota today. 19.8 points, 20 for 33 as a passer, 215 yards, 12 rush attempts for 72 yards and a touchdown. That is where his fantasy value is going to come from. It is very rare where a quarterback can like be responsible for one touchdown and still basically get to 20 points. He finished at 19.8, and you can do that when you rush for 72 yards. I don't know if Mariota is going to be a guy I can trust you know, on a consistent basis, but maybe in favorable matchups, if he can put together a few more of these performances, he is someone you do have to look at as a potential startable option or someone to fill in for your injured quarterback. You know, Maybe you had... Dak on your team. Looks like he's going to miss some time. A situation like that. Then we're getting into more of these like iffy streaming quarterbacks. Probably don't want to be starting them week two. But we've got Matt Ryan owned in 24.3% of leagues. Put up 15.3 points. You know, up and down day for him. 32 of 50 for 352 passing yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Still figuring it out. You know, we'll see how he develops in this offense. Daniel Jones owned in 15.5% of leagues. 16 points, 17 of 21 for 188 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, 25 rushing yards. This Giants offense is interesting. Unfortunately, we saw Wondell Robinson go down with an injury. The usage of Kadarius Toney was pretty weird. Obviously, Saquon Barkley just carried that team. So I don't know how great Daniel Jones is going to be for fantasy. Another situation where we're probably just going to have to see it play out. Then the final quarterback, Carson Wentz, had a pretty big day owned in 16.7% of leagues, 27.7 points, 27 of 41 passing for 313 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. To be totally honest, I do not think this is going to be your normal Carson Wentz stat line. He was playing well early on, then kind of got him in a hole and then had to dig himself out of it, you know, which led to more passing volume. I wouldn't expect that consistently, but if Jahan Dotson keeps showing up, Curtis Samuel shows up, Tara McLaurin is obviously going to show up. Maybe he's interesting moving forward. 
Now with the tight end position, only three guys here. I'm not going to you know, try to talk about players that I just don't even think are super relevant for fantasy. So we're going to start it off with Gerald Everett, owned in 13.1% of leagues, targeted four times, caught three receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown. When we're looking at this Chargers offense, Everett's not going to be a guy who's giving you high volume games. He's not going to be getting targeted, you know, 10 times a game. He's not going to be that guy. But when we're looking at waiver wire tight ends, what he does give you is he is a, you know, touchdown threat on an elite offense. He should continue to develop chemistry with Justin Herbert. And I think he's someone where if your tight end goes down by a week, he is someone you can plug in. Another interesting option here is Taysom Hill, owned in 3.7% of leagues. 15.3 points this weekend, four rushes for 81 yards and a touchdown, one reception for two yards. He's someone where I've kind of talked about like this potential role for him, where if he's given you a few rush attempts per game, two targets, and maybe a few pass attempts, he is someone you could play for fantasy. Now, I would not pick him up, throw him in your lineup, and expect 15 points again. He had a huge long rush, which obviously contributed to a lot of this, and then he gets into the end zone. There are going to be a lot of games where he has two rushes for 10 yards, you know, maybe one reception for 10 yards, and he's basically doing nothing in your lineup. But this is a situation where maybe he's getting some pass attempts. If this is a consistent role, then I think it's someone that we look more into and potentially is startable. It's just tough because it seems like one day he could have all these gadget plays and then the next game they just do nothing with him. So we're probably just going to have to wait it out here with Hill. And then the third and final tight end is going to be Alberto, owning 22.1% of leagues. He's going to be playing tonight, so we'll see, you know, how he does, how that usage is looking. And then moving on to the defenses, five streaming options here. I stream my defenses every week. I don't stick with the same one. Just go to the waivers, pick up, you know, basically the most projected points, throw them in my lineup. So some options here. Rams, owned in 32.7% of leagues, going up against the Falcons. Giants owned in 1% of leagues going up against the Panthers. We've got the Patriots owned in 21.8% of leagues going up against the Steelers. Panthers owned in 4.4% of leagues going up against the Giants. And then finally, the Commanders owned in 37.6% of leagues going up against the Lions. So those are my waiver wire targets for week one. If you guys stuck it out all the way through the end of the video, thank you guys a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, If you have any fantasy questions, start, sit, waiver wire, trade advice, whatever it is, you guys can drop those down below. Also, make sure you check out my buy low and sell high videos. Those are also going to be coming out today. And then if you did enjoy the content, like that video, subscribe to the channel. Thank you guys, and I'll see you in the next one.